Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens. I'm your host, Dr. Jessica Peck, pediatric nurse practitioner, nursing professor, and mom of four teens. I'll serve as your expert guide to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. We will explore health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. My co-host for this series will be Pastor Brian Haynes, who will guide us through the spiritual impacts and help us grow our faith. Let's explore conversation keys together and get started. Welcome to episode three of the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast. Today, we're talking about social media, how to be a tech-savvy parent in an iGen world. Now, listen in. If we're really honest, parents, I'm talking to you. We have a love-hate relationship with social media, meaning that we love ours and we hate our teen social media. Sometimes we love ours because we don't have social media and they do and we just don't understand it or it's just a perpetual point of contention. It's a fact. Social media is a 21st century reality that is here to stay and it will evolve over time. We've gone through MySpace, anyone out there on MySpace, Facebook, which is for old people, now my kids say, Instagram, which teens consider moderately functional, Snapchat, which is actually dropping in popularity, and the current reigning king, TikTok. The latest craze, have you heard of it, is called Be Real. Any of you doing this? This is a completely different social media platform where users literally be real, like R-E-A-L. At one point in time, their entire network is alerted to take a photo of what you are doing in that precise moment. It activates both your front and your back camera with no filters. Oh my goodness, all my Gen X mom friends with crow's feet, can you gasp collectively with me? How could we post a photo with no filter? And even more than that, this app tells everyone how many times you retook the picture. But the point is, they want you to be real. So what does this tell us? It tells us that teens long for real, meaningful, authentic communication. Even before the Be Real craze, we saw Finsta accounts, also called fake, ghost, or spam accounts. This is ironic as the quote-unquote real Instagram creates unsustainable pressure to be Insta-ready at all times, always worrying about carefully curating your feed, also known as image crafting. Fake Instagram is a place where they can be with a smaller, more trusted group of followers and be a little less pressured and a little less formal. So we know teens want authentic communication and they expect it to come through social media channels as normative because they are digital natives. I often get asked as a mom of four teens, do you let your kids have social media? The answer to that question is yes and no. It depends. There are certain conditions and every child is different. I think one of the mistakes we make as parents is guaranteeing a certain privilege at a certain age when each of our children is maturing at a different rate. So don't say you can have social media at this age. Say, 
We can talk about social media when you get to this age, and we will determine together at that time if you are ready and what privileges and responsibilities come along with that. In the meantime, you can continue building trust and credibility with me so that you are best prepared to have that conversation when the time comes. One of my children could have likely handled social media at the age of four. One of them may be 40, but they shall remain nameless for now. In Chapter 2 of Behind Closed Doors, there are very practical, tangible tips for you. First of all, I'll tell you why having social media shouldn't even be a conversation until at least 13 years of age. The law does not make exceptions for vigilant parents and responsible kids, so be sure you don't miss that section in Chapter 2. Other things to consider when you're thinking about your teen entering the social media forum are, what are the safety concerns? What are the responsibilities of being a good digital citizen? A great question to ask your teen is, what do I not know about social media? If your child is struggling with social media usage and making poor decisions, the answer is not more monitoring software. The answer is healthy boundaries and relationship building with honest conversations. As a parent, one of the best things you can do for your child's health is to place limits on their screen time. An easy starting place is to create a tech-free zone in the bedroom. Think about your child's social media platforms. How many followers do they have? You may not know, but I guarantee you they know exactly how many followers they have on each platform. And that's essentially how many people they are inviting into their bedroom with their smartphone. That could easily disrupt what should be a restful environment. One thing I did was to create a check-in or a charging zone place for smartphones before kids go to bed at night. It's amazing how many teens I see in the clinic for sleep disturbances, headaches, and fatigue that completely go away when they do this. And believe me, I was that mom who told her teens this would be my rule. And when teens came over for the first time after that and they saw that, oh my goodness, she's serious, they looked at me like I had two heads. What will we do then? They asked. Well, they made a tent, they watched movies, they ate s'mores, and it was glorious. But the difficult thing for us as parents is that in the midst of all this social media-shaping teen experience, we had the rise of social distancing. Can I tell you a secret, and maybe you'll promise not to judge me? I absolutely refused to social distance. There. That's my confession. I've said it. It's on the record. Let me explain. In a day and age where news travels so quickly, trends become viral, hashtags are born, and causes are adopted or scorned quickly. Words matter. The words chosen at the beginning of this pandemic were social distancing. People who had never heard this term before are now all of a sudden self-professed experts. We nod politely as we walk in spaced out queues with a six-foot perimeter. We mutually acknowledge the strange new norm of social distancing. 
We use the term casually now in conversation. It's on red circles on the floor of the grocery store. Every news channel has an expert explaining and encouraging the practice. But in this time, the whole world is still anxious, scared even. Every single person has lost something. Every single person. What have you lost? Some people have lost big things and some small. People have lost their job, their savings, their retirement, their church, their school, senior skip day, graduation, conferences, awards, dinner dates, favorite restaurants, birthday celebrations, job security, and even feelings of losing our freedom, the comforts of normal, support during childbirth, being comforted during hospitalization. How many of you have waited alone in a hospital room? Some of you have even lost the lives of those dear to you. When we think about it, social distancing is actually a complex term. In some ways, we are more connected than ever. Zoom, FaceTime, and other platforms are all seeing crushing demand for connections. Despite a world that is more technologically connected than ever before, we are one of the most disconnected generations who are lonely and getting lonelier. This is Gen X. Social distancing is a term with harmful implications. There may be times of illness when physical distancing is responsible. It's always been good advice to stay home and wash your hands if you're sick. But this idea of social distancing is subtly imprinting itself on the hearts and minds of this generation. And we need to wake up and pay attention. Parents, this is where you come in. Your teens need your old school skills. They need you to show them how to build connections offline. They need interactions occurring outside of DMs, outside of snap streaks and reels. So I want you to pull out your inner party self. You know, the one who would just show up at a friend's house unannounced because the phone line was busy. The one who would hang out at a restaurant and talk for three hours, of course, only ordering chips and salsa and water because you didn't have any money, but really because when you left that restaurant, your connection was lost. I want you to be the one who would sit in the kitchen while your friends were cooking and never look at your phone once, mainly because it didn't exist. We didn't have smartphones. Parents, your teens need you to lead them. So here's my advice for you today. Take the kids to see their grandparents. I know mine always make me feel like I am the ultimate guest of honor. As soon as I walk through that door, I'm going to be offered a moon pie and a Dr. Pepper, and my granny is going to tell my papa to turn off the TV because Jessica is here, like it's some sort of royal announcement. Play board games as a family or create a silly family contest. One time my family went to an antique store and we each tried to find the creepiest thing we could find. And then we had a contest for our neighbors and friends to vote. It was hilarious. Have a heart-to-heart chat with your teen. Leave your phone in the other room so you're not even tempted. Offer to order a surprise package for a friend of your teens who could use a pick-me-up. Or write letters to kids in hospitals or people in the military. An actual paper letter. Send thank you notes to people who have blessed you. Model a Mr. Wilson kind of neighborly conversation over the fence. Host a book club. 
Take out your earbuds when you walk, bike, or run. Smile at people passing by your house and calling out a greeting. Or say, I love you to someone. Listen, these are tough times for parents and kids. The emotional, psychological, and social trauma collectively experienced by the pandemic will impact generations to come. It's enough to make the strongest heart hurt at these words, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I still wake up in the morning and I find hope, a reason to keep trying. I want you to know there's a huge and beautiful army of pediatric nurses, nurse practitioners, and other pediatric health professionals who have dedicated our life's work to supporting kids. So I have a message from us to you. You are doing a great job. Your kids need you. Every I love you makes a big difference. And you are planting seeds for a future harvest. Don't give up. Don't stop. We are here behind you finding hope in all of this mess, and we will find it together. Now it's time to welcome my co-host, Pastor Brian Haynes, pastor of Bay Area Church and Bay Area Christian School in League City, Texas. Welcome, Brian, to the show. Thank you so much. Well, today we are talking all about social media, and you really can't open any conversation anywhere with parents of teens where this doesn't come up. And I know I have questions about this as a parent myself, and I get questions from for myself as a pediatric nurse practitioner. And I think you and I are both Gen Xers. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. And we are just living in this digital native world. And I've seen how social media has changed my pediatric practice. But as a pastor, how do you see social media impacting uh, teens and their families? Well, let me speak as a parent first, because I have a 23-year-old, a 20-year-old, and a 15-year-old. So we've navigated social media at home for a long time. And honestly, for the 23-year-old, her experience with social media is radically different than the 15-year-old, because things have changed so much so fast. Um, in my own home, it impacted our, our kids we had to do some things that were very intentional in order to help them have a healthy relationship with social media. As a pastor, I see on an epidemic level, uh, social media driving a couple of things. One is anxiety among teenagers. I probably don't understand all the science about it, but my assumption is that there is a comparison that goes on to these images and storylines that seem to be perfect and they're highly edited and you know people are telling a story about what they want you to know about their life it seems perfect so it robs joy would be the second thing is not only does it cause anxiety because i'm not measuring up but two it robs uh it robs joy and the drama that comes with it at the teenage level is ridiculous. I can tell you that uh, <laughs> just not, not only as a pastor of a church, but we have a large school at our church. Mm -hmm. And so I see that constantly. And then finally, there is an element of social media for teenagers that opens this door 
to a sexuality that is unreal and dark. And um, that's something that we're seeing constantly. I think it's so hard for us as parents because we didn't grow up with this. Mm -hmm. We didn't have social media. We didn't have this kind of access or pressure to be Insta-ready all the time. And then that's what we see is now kids setting up you know, fake accounts in order to quote unquote, be real before mm -hmm. be real is now a thing. And really all of these things that we're talking about are image crafting. People are, teens are crafting their image and how they want the world to see them. And they're constantly feeling the pressure to make sure that image is exactly like they think it should be. And really even more often that how they think others want them to be. But Imago Dei is a theological term that's used to convey the incredible truth that we are created in the image and the likeness of God. So I see this intersection here between the faith element and our social media. So how do you think parents reflect, can reflect and reinforce this concept when interacting with their teens? Well, this is the issue. The issue is identity. Um, and identity correctly formed is formed in the image of God, understanding foundationally that every person on the planet, it doesn't matter their religion, their, their culture, doesn't matter where they're from. Every person on the planet that has ever been is created in the image of God. That's just base level um, theology. But practically speaking, when it comes to the issue of social media, helping our our teenagers understand that their identity is formed in Christ through God himself uh, and that they don't have to be somebody else. They don't have to compare themselves to somebody else they see online. They don't have to crave a different set of talents or looks or abilities. Uh, they need to be wholly who they are who God has created them to be. And so I think as parents, one of the major things that we have to do when it comes to social media is constantly be discipling or reinforcing toward identity in Christ. And in our home, like we've worked hard on that particular issue since they were very, very young. When it comes to social media, then we teach them like, you are not trying to be somebody else online than you really are. So this is how we say it. Your back, your backstage needs to match your front stage. Mm. Um, so whatever you're putting out there, it's like me as a preacher, whatever I'm putting out there on Sunday morning while all the cameras are on and it's live and all that stuff, whatever I'm putting out there needs to be the same as my backstage life that nobody else really uh, sees. And that we can use social media for good. So we try to teach our girls, like you can convey gospel hope. Um, you, can, you can encourage people on social media. You can lift people up and highlight other people. It doesn't have to be all about you. Um, but I think it takes intentionality on the part of the parent and it's constant. It like never goes away uh, because they're constantly engaged. 
Well, and you wrote about that in your book, Relentless Parenting, exactly mm-hmm. that concept. And speaking of relentless, really, you and I both know, Brian, on a, on a personal level, because I have four teens myself, and I see the pressure of social media. That pressure is relentless. And it's so easy to have one moment where you make a decision and do something mm-hmm. foolish and engage in something that lives on forever. And so what spiritual disciplines do you think are effective to avoid those temptations that are associated with social media? Yeah, I so I think first and foremost, we have to teach our our teenagers to find their daily source of like hope and truth in the scriptures. And I know it sounds cliche and I know you're thinking he's a pastor. Of course he would say that, but I'm telling you as a parent, like we constantly like model demonstrated, led our kids to the scripture for uh, truth because it sort of frames how they're going to live every day, especially if they're in it. And so that discipline of, of actually reading your Bible and praying on a daily basis for a teen, a teenager can do that. I don't know if you think they can or can, but a teenager can do that. A third grader can do that. And so uh, this is, I think, really, really important. The second discipline, I think, is uh, a discipline of transparency. So when we allow our our children to become teenagers who have social media we have to contract with them in a way for transparency. Uh, There's gonna be nothing that is solely yours on social media. We're gonna know it, see it, monitor it, hold you accountable to it, tell you when it's wrong. And in in fact, we apply the the same principles we would apply person to person and face. If, If you say something on social media or do something on social media publicly that hurts someone publicly, then you have to retract that and you have to apologize and make amends publicly where everybody can see. So it again, it's constant, it's day by day, but we have to be really intentional about teaching them how to engage social media. And I think we should. I don't think hiding from social media is the issue because they're gonna they're going to be dealing with platforms like that their entire mm-hmm. life, you know. Yeah, social media is a 21st century reality. And you just gave such great advice, Pastor Brian. And I'm sure that if you followed that advice in your home, which you did, and I followed that advice as well, um, your kids are guaranteed to turn out perfect and (laughs) never make any mistakes, right? I'm sure your kids are perfect, just like my kids are perfect. Right. (laughs) They're not. In fact, they will make mistakes. They do make mistakes. And it's in that it's actually, those are the best learning opportunities of the entire social media experience for them. And and leaning into those mistakes and monitoring as parents, I think is really, really important. And I think just showing them a way back to grace, because in cancel culture, I think mm-hmm. that's another reason for pressure, because they feel like, oh, I did this, and now my life as I know it is is over. Mm-hmm. And I think walking back, walking them back in a path to grace and helping them to see themselves through the image that God created them mm-hmm. to be and reflecting that in your eyes and telling them this one behavioral choice does not define the totality of your character is so important. So what would you say to parents who maybe their teens have made mistakes and they're feeling like, is this going to define the rest of their life? What would you say to give them words of hope? 
In that moment, and I, I have dealt with this a lot, in that moment, it feels like there is no hope. Uh, you posted something, everybody saw it, it was shared a million times. Even when you deleted it, everybody already had the picture or whatever. And when you sit with the parents and the teenagers in that moment, it just feels like the end of the world. And so the first thing I would say is it's not the end of the world. Um, it was a mistake. Maybe it was even sin in the sin category. It's not the end of the world. And that's, that's the beauty of the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we can experience restoration when we admit, okay, that was absolutely wrong. If we did it publicly, we admit it publicly and we take steps toward being a different person, step away from that action, that behavior and, and toward Jesus, in my opinion, in order to, to find grace. It's the only place we will find grace. Uh, me personally, I can't tell you how many times I have tweeted something <laughs> and then, you know, recognize like, oh no, this is going to go viral <laughs> and I do not want to be that guy. So we're all, we all have to deal with that. It's so true. And here we are, you know, you're a pastor with a doctoral degree. I'm a nurse practitioner with a doctoral degree, and I'm struggling with that. How much more so as a 14-year-old, you know, with a phone right. at home? So you've given us some really practical advice and some encouragement as usual. We are so glad to have your perspective here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Well, that concludes episode three. We hope you join us next time. Here's your homework. Read chapter two of Behind Closed Doors and do all the activities. Your legacy letter is a poem. And if that scares you, great. I'm glad. Get out of your comfort zone and try something new. Your creativity and vulnerability will go a long way in reaching the heart of your teen. Second, find me on Spotify and check out the Identity in Christ-themed playlist to accompany the material in Chapter 2. And last, subscribe at drnursemama.com to access all the resources waiting just for you. See you next time on the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, home of happy parents and healthy teens. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Nurse Mama show. Connect with us online at drnursemama.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Nurse Mama. You can find Pastor Brian at brianhaines.org or on Facebook at Dr. Brian Haynes. Tune in next time and invite a friend.